Welcome back to Sober Grind. This is a podcast dedicated to helping you better understand addiction and recovery. My name is Austin, and I'm your co-host along with Pej. Today, we're going to be discussing why addicts choose drugs over love. Are you ready? Let's get into it. Welcome back to the Sober Grind, everyone. As always, I am Austin Armstrong, joined with my super special friend and co-host, Pej. This is Pej. The Sober man, grind. the myth, Sober the grind. legend. Sober grind. 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 Yes. <laughs> awesome. So today we have another amazing, hopefully helpful topic for you on why addicts choose drugs over love. It's kind of an interesting hopefully it's a good one. Yeah, this should be an interesting topic. Uh, hopefully engaging. We would love to hear all of your experience as well and your thoughts on this matter. Why do you think addicts choose drugs over love? Pez, do you want to jump in? Mm, yes, I do. So <clears throat> this morning when you actually talked to me about this topic, I just felt like, well, it's a no-brainer because, like, you know, because they like drugs because it makes them feel good. But why do people actually resort to uh, do I thought about it a little bit more in depth like why would people resort to doing drugs if especially if they're like raised in a loving environment right like why does that happen so yeah it's interesting Austin I'll tell you this like the other day I was talking with a group of friends that were in recovery and we were talking about our personal traumas and things that we've been through in our lives and like the majority of us come from very very loving families you know and uh, but all of us had become like hardcore substance abusers, hardcore drug mm -hmm. users, hardcore alcoholics that had experienced um, jails, psych wards, institutions, near-death experiences as a result of our addiction. And one would have to think, like, why? Like, why would we take it to that extreme where we would, um, you know, just la run our lives into the ground and just spiral, spiral, spiral with endless um, doom and despair when there was so much love that was surrounding us growing up? And so... Why would we choose that? It's because, like, the traumas. Like, if you heard what I heard in that room that day, Austin, you would understand, mm. like, why people get high. Like, for one, um, there was a lot of sexual abuse that had happened. Mm -hmm. You know, there's yeah. a lot of times when kids are growing up that are unattended or they're around people that um, you don't know where you're leaving your kids. And when they're growing up around certain environments, uh, they're exposed to certain types of people that might be doing certain types of things. Sometimes it comes with sexual trauma. Sometimes it comes with influences. Um, it comes with curiosity. It comes with the type of people that um, that you're looking up to or highly influenced by. Things that keep other kids' interest a lot more. Uh, and, and, and here, Chris is saying, oh no, sorry, Kyle, Kyle's saying some people don't have trauma and they still are. And I think that the, that comes, he's right. He's absolutely right. That was something I was talking to my friend Boo Boo about this morning, too. Like, a lot of people don't become addicts and alcoholics only because of their trauma. A lot of people just have that True. addictive personality, and they might be curious, and they're trying things, and they, they, they think, like, how does that make me feel? And, you know, I've had people actually tell me, like, they never really had trauma. Now, there are some people who I believe have had trauma but choose to block it out of their lives and pretend like they didn't have trauma. Because some yeah. of it is so dark that they they either black it out or, or just block it out and don't 
want to think about it. Then there's some people that really maybe they never had anything happen, not sexual, not violence, not physical or anything like that. But um, in most cases, more cases than none, what I have experienced with not just friends that I was using with back in the day, but also, well, so-called friends, but also um, people that I see in recovery is that there's deep-rooted stuff that happens to somebody. And if they don't work through that deep-rooted stuff, it's very likely that they'll continue to keep seeking what numbs them out. So, you know, in, in a nutshell, like, there's a lot of reasons why people will choose um, to, their, to, to follow their addiction and their alcoholism rather than uh, follow the love. And some people fall in love with the, with the drugs. You know, it's like that becomes their ultimate relationship. It's what they, they go to the most to be able to numb out and feel good and not have to deal with the, the, the heaviness of the world. Yeah. Hey, Josh. Um, what's good, Jens? Talking about trauma and recovery. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, if you have any specific questions, today's topic is really uh, garnered towards why addicts choose drugs over love. So Pej was just talking about uh, trauma related uh, and how, how that relates to trauma. Pej, do you think there's any correlation between enabling and this topic? Well, absolutely, but it has, something has to start from somewhere for the enabling to actually continue and make it keep happening, you know? Again, like it may stem from um, curious kids that are just hanging out because one person's trying something like some mild marijuana and the other kids are doing it with him then later on they get their hands on some uh pills or something like that and they all just sort of use together and um some of them aren't performing well in school or not living a good lifestyle um and the yeah. family members are starting to kind of become concerned but not understand it or some of the family members don't care at all they just out of sight out of mind like keep my kid away from me i don't care where he's at he's hanging out with whoever um you know as long as he's not home and bothering me like i get to have my peace at home yeah. So what are your, let me, let me bring up a, a scenario here. And I'm, I'm curious to, to hear your thoughts on how this relates to today's topic. So say there's a, there's a parent that is aware of their child's uh, drug use. Okay. Right. Um, they've, they've tried to help them. They continue uh, the drug use, but it becomes an enabling situation that they continue to let them live there and use drugs because maybe they just don't want to get to the root of that problem. In the mind of the addict, do you think that is choosing drugs over love? Where does that come in for, for the addict itself? What are your thoughts on that? Choose, you mean for the addict choosing the drugs over love or the parents? Yeah. Both. The addict? What, both. Yeah, let's start with the addict. Okay, so sometimes some parents, because they don't, they're not educated, they might still continue to let their kid, um, you know, they might know that there's a problem, but they don't really want to, like, get to the root of it. They might think it's a phase. What is that noise? There's, like, a piercing noise. Okay, so they might think, um, they might think it's just a phase, like, my kid's just smoking some weed or he did some acids one weekend. Yeah. And, and maybe it is just a phase. Sometimes it's not really, truly, like, going to become a full-blown addiction. But if, like, the kid's now, you know, continually getting loaded on whatever he's doing and he's falling behind in school or crashing cars or uh, ending up in, you know, jail or juvie or things like that, then there's a huge problem there. And if the parent doesn't actually go after that and see, like, try to identify what's wrong here, they, they, it'll never get better. Mm -hmm. It'll just get worse. Hence gotcha. the reason why there's so many kids that end up going to rehab. 
Yeah. We have a couple uh, comments here. Let's go through these. Uh, Capri says, trauma is different for everyone. I think if you have managed to live uh, to be an adult, you have experienced trauma. It is a parting gift of sorts from most child adolescent hoods. Mm -hmm. Kyle says, using the word choice implies we have a choice. For me, I tried to use my love of family and friends to fight my addiction, but it constantly wasn't enough. And then I thought I didn't love them enough. I was mistaken. Their love for me and my love for them were not relevant. That's a good thought there. Mm -hmm. let's, Kyle's let's use deep. that as a segue. Kyle's deep. Let, yeah, so I love it. thank you for that, Kyle. That's, that's, a, great, that's a great thought and, and experience you just shared there. And how do you how do you cross that that border? And so, if you're let, let's start with the the parents and family members uh, perspective here. So, how do you actually get through to the addict to show your love and and have them accept the help? Well, as a parent, you know, there's so many different types of parents that have so many different types of kids. So it it varies. Yeah. It depends. You know, so that uh, I think that. Um, I get criticized this, for this by some people, you know, that think that enabling is just a, a made up word or codependency is just a more modern day psychological word that people just throw around loosely. But when you see it like firsthand and you see like a, a parent that's in action, enabling their kid and the kid not getting well, and they're not doing anything about it other than the fact that just they're just they continue to keep enabling that person. Well, then, of course, the kid's never going to get well. And then we can sit here and say all day long that enabling is not true. But if they're being enabled and they actually have a place to. I'm on live. Thanks. Cameo. Yeah, are you? Okay. <laughs> We're going to have to cut this one short. So anyways, with that said, I'll t I'm going to tell you this and I'll break it down like this real quick. So. A lot of people see uh, addiction in different ways. I believe that when somebody is in active addiction, they don't have the ability to love, okay? They could have been raised mm, in a Interesting. Family, but when they're engulfed in their addiction or their alcoholism, they, they're not loving themselves. They, they may down the line have health conditions. Some people may not be there yet, um, but definitely there's definitely a, some numbness that is, they're experiencing and they're doing it because they're not comfortable with something right so a lot of people think that um depression and anxiety um there's some people that are clinically depressed and that's just how they are i've got my own beliefs about that i believe like when a baby's born and they're an infant and they haven't experienced the world yet depending on uh what kind of family that they grow up in they learn everything that's around them everything that's around them so if their mother is is always depressed then they're probably going to become they might very likely become a very depressed person too because that's transmitted to them, right? So there's great escape. Some people just sit and sulk in their depression. Some people turn to drugs so that they can actually not have to feel, right? So a lot of times, a lot of kids will, will start to experience that. And it's not like a kid, like a parent is doing a, a perfect job of being a parent when their kid's ha having a problem. There's a reason. There's a family dysfunction within the family quite more often than none to where the kid is actually using in that house because they can't deal with certain things. I can speak from personal experience. Like my, I myself, I did drugs to escape the madness and the anger and all of the, the insanity that was going on in my house. There was a lot of, my dad was very volatile. Uh, my mom was very emotional. There was a lot of codependency. Um, there was a lot of hiding, a lot of secretive 
lifestyles that I, they, they kept a lot of secrets from me. And therefore, I kept a lot of secrets from them. And one of my biggest secrets was my addiction. And it wasn't that I didn't love my parents. I think deep down inside, I was raised on love. They, they definitely loved me too. And I, I deep down inside wanted to love them. But when I'm engulfed in my addiction, it's literally impossible to continue to show them the love that, uh, that they were expressing to me. Yeah. Um, if we can keep going here, I don't know how much time you have. Uh, but so Capri said down here, I agree, love is blunted during active addiction. Could you touch upon moments of clarity uh, for the addict? You know, how do you get out of that, that blunting of love and recognize that things need to change in the in the midst of it? Like, how do you how do you recognize help? You mean as an active addict? Yeah. I believe no matter what, I believe every human being, whether they fall into addiction or not, or whether they have other addictive behaviors, they get the opportunity in life to change something that's not healthy for themselves. There's always signs, there's always experiences, there's always scenarios that present themselves to the point, I don't think uh, uh, there's human beings that get neglected of the opportunity to be able to get the help. There's probably people in Skid Row that are addicted to crack cocaine, but at some point or another, somebody has told them or they have seen that their life's not working and perhaps somebody was put in their path that was just as bad as them, if not worse, that came and got their life back and maybe they're a messenger or a helper or a counselor or something like that in one of, you know, some place or another, at some point or another, Everybody recognizes their major shortcoming, and that could be active addiction, and they have the opportunity to get well. There's a reason that a lot of people overdose and die. Don't think that those people, especially ones that have been in recovery before, they've made a choice to continue to use rather than to take on recovery, you know, or to, to be able to get well. Everybody has the opportunity to get well. You know, we don't just not have that opportunity. And people may not agree with me on that, but I, I truly believe it. You know, I had many yeah. opportunities and I didn't take a few of them. But once I did actually take the, the golden opportunity, that's where everything changed for me. And I see it quite often. You know, I see a lot of people that have to go out and keep testing the waters until they crash and burn. And then finally, 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 they surrender to their own demons and they come back and they get their lives back or they don't ever come back. But I have to cut this short because they want to use this room right now. This was actually gotcha. a really good episode. Next time we will um, do it to, in a place yeah. where I'm more prepared and able to be, be able to talk a lot more. No problem, because I, I, I feel like we can continue this for a long time. We're only scratching the surface, but uh, hopefully everybody learned something from this. Uh, we'd love to continue this. Maybe next week we can uh, do a deeper dive on this topic. If Remember something. Remember something. Remember something. I'm just a messenger. I don't know it all. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> Have a good day.